Welcome back to the Talking Preps podcast. I'm David Levake, and I'm we call it Talking Preps, but it's it's kind of turned into Talking Books of late, and that's okay. Next week, I know we will have a guest to talk about the girls' hockey uh, state tournament to preview that, and then the weeks to follow, we'll start to look at the boys' tournament as well. So we'll have some uh, regular scheduled sports coming at you here pretty soon. But so the uh, the I don't know if we'll call it the last. It's the last for a little while podcast that gets that it certainly incorporates local sports and, and high school sports at that and it's an important listen it's a, a book called the girl who played hockey it's a story of loss triumph and indomitable heart it's an extraordinary story about a girl from south minneapolis who defied the limitations of her potentially fatal heart condition and overcame impossible adversity to achieve her dream of becoming a high level hockey player and here to discuss this book with me is the author himself, Chris Middlebrook. Hello, Chris. Hello, David. Thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Well, my, I'm happy to be here. Thank you. This is uh, book number two. The first one was called. It was a book about your, your personal history with Bandy. It's called The Bandy Chronicles, My Pursuit of a Forgotten Sport. That was a fairly personal recollection, a personal tale of, of your career in, the, in in Bandy. What made you go from personal to, I guess we'll call this this current book, ultra personal? Uh, well, the book, the story is about my daughter, Delaney, who is a girl from South Minneapolis. And it's, uh, yeah, in my mind, even though she's my daughter, it's an extraordinary story. Uh, she was born uh, with a congenital heart condition called long QT syndrome, otherwise known as sudden death syndrome. She wasn't diagnosed with this condition until she was 10 years old, but uh, the rules in play at the time were pretty much, well, if you're diagnosed with this condition, even if you've never had a symptom or a problem, you are immediately banned from any competitive sports or in essence, any physical activity. Uh, but because uh, at the time she'd never had a symptom, never had a, an event or an incident, and also uh, was begun on beta blockers by her doctor down at the Mayo Clinic, a world-renowned specialist, he said she should be allowed to continue to compete. And so she did. But she competed through youth hockey, through high school, and into college where she played D1. But during that period of time, her condition became something that uh, was, in essence, used against her. And uh, ultimately, uh, her coach in college tried to get her to quit. And I told her during that period of time when she was going through tremendous stress, as were we, that uh, that I would write her story at some point when her hockey career was done. And so I'm basically uh, living up to the promise I made to my daughter quite a few years ago to write her story. You mentioned that, that Delaney is from South Minneapolis. She uh, played in the Washburn Youth System, if I'm not mistaken, and you were a Washburn graduate? I was a Washburn graduate, graduated in 1975, uh, after uh, college and law school, I continued to live in South Minneapolis. And when my kids became of hockey age, we were in the Washburn district. So both my son, Ian, and my daughter, Delaney, began playing for Washburn. And uh, I wasn't allowed to just be a, a dad sitting up in the stands. I was told, well, if your kids are going to play, you better, coach. So I did. <laughs> no, I wasn't given an option. Uh, but I, I coached for nine years in Washburn youth hockey, both my children. Uh, and then when my daughter uh, went uh, and played high school for St. Paul United, the combination or the co-op at the time between St. Paul Academy and Visitation 
she started playing there in seventh grade and she played all the way through 12th grade. But I did continue to coach my son in that Delaney's seventh grade year because he was playing Washburn Banamay that year. Uh, but I'm a, a South Minneapolis man uh, through and through, and uh, as are my children. You said in the book that Delaney, uh, the Gaelic translation is child of dark defiance. And that's an interesting namesake for her because this story is one of, I don't know if you call it dark defiance, but certainly some defiance. You mentioned uh, not being allowed to play with her condition and pushing back against that those rules. And at the root of that decision, which is, you know, it had to been incredibly difficult for you and your wife. Your choices are risk sudden death or a longer life devoid of, of your daughter's passion, which was hockey. And, and that's, that's what, what was it like to, to come out on the side that you did to say, you know what, we're, we're going to pursue this and we're going to, we're going to let her participate and, and we're going to just, we're going to go for it. Well, it was, uh, uh, we never felt that we were risking her life or rolling the dice with her life. When she was diagnosed at age 10, her personality was pretty clearly established that she was uh, uh, someone who was a competitor who loved sports. I mean, that was her main way of expressing herself. And at the time, at 10 years old, she wasn't particularly good at any sport. She was just a decent athlete. So it was not a matter of, look how good our daughter is. We want her to be able to keep playing because all the things she might accomplish, it was more of a matter of, Look at how important this is and how meaningful this is to her and her entire identity. And uh, a couple of things went into that because uh, we had had children before Ian and Delaney were born, and unfortunately they had died. And Delaney's older sister died in my arms. And you know, so I became very aware of life and death and all, all of that. And I knew how much her sister wanted to live, but she didn't. So when it was Delaney at age 10 is diagnosed with this condition, we did our research and we did it first with her doctor at the Mayo Clinic, her, her specialist, Dr. Michael Ackerman, and asked him, well, she has the diagnosis, but she's never had a, a symptom, never had an episode. She's going to be on the, the heavy dose beta blockers, which, by the way, keep your heart from beating uh, at a fast pace and frankly, keep it totally beating at a very low pace, which does impact uh Endurance, it does impact emotional and mental uh, or physical well-being and health, but it kept her heart at a lower rate. And we said to him, well, never having had a symptom and while being on the beta blockers, what's the danger? What's the percentage? And he, in essence, couldn't tell us because there weren't any, there wasn't any data. My father at the time was a, a internal medicine specialist. He did the full research, which said they don't have any information. There is no data. This complete ban on people... Uh, kids with this diagnosis from competing is from an overabundance of caution. It's not based on data or statistics. And so in essence, we took a look and said, there is no data that tells us she's at any greater risk, even though she has the diagnosis and the idea of compromising who and what she was in her entire life based on an overabundance of caution. I mean, if one wants to go down that path, you don't let your kid ride a bike or go on a car or do anything like that because things can happen there. So it, it was it was a very difficult decision because it was completely contrary to what the the, th the thought was at the time, what the rules were, what the people in charge thought was how it should be. Uh, but we made it with our eyes wide open, and we did not ever feel that we were rolling the dice with her life. But at the same time, I must tell you that, you know, even so, when you have a daughter with this diagnosis, when they're on the heavy-duty beta blockers, 
there is still uh, <laughs> that that uh, a stress level that's quite high because you just never know. But again, I would I do want to emphasize there was no let's risk her life uh, so she can play hockey. We never felt that, and it wasn't let's let her play hockey because she's so good and we think she might become something special here. There was none of that either. It was just this is who and what she is, and it's a way of expressing herself. Uh, that is extremely important to her. And the and the doctor agreed with us. So therefore, at age 10, we decided she was going to continue to compete and to play, particularly hockey. But the whole situation had to be kept secret. And it was that way through her high school career. And Delaney went on to play in college, first at Niagara and then RPI. And eventually, well, I won't get spoiled what how the book talks about it, but eventually the secret comes out. And then there's a whole nother set of circumstances that come with, with having to deal with people being fully aware of the situation. Yeah, it's well, actually, initially, when she's playing youth hockey, it didn't have there was no prohibition in Minnesota youth hockey of someone with this diagnosis plan. But what her doctor at the Mayo informed us when she was 10 is that, uh, well, with this diagnosis, you're not allowed to play high school sports in Minnesota. And interestingly enough, he was one of the people who wrote the rules. So he said, when she gets to high school, I guess we'll have to cross that bridge when uh, when we come to it. So it wasn't until high school, until her seventh grade year, where she uh, went to the St. Paul United tryout and made the varsity. And at that point in time, uh, she's not allowed to play. So my wife and I talked about it and she said, well, what do we do with this? And and I said, well, what's different from her for her playing high school hockey with the girls as to playing on the Pee Wee boys team, which is where she was playing at the time? Uh, in terms of anything. Uh, and my wife said nothing except for the rules don't allow it. Uh, but we were able to obtain uh, uh, physicals that didn't uh, address the long QT syndrome, her diagnosis, so that uh, she wasn't banned from playing. And again, had they learned of the diagnosis, they would have not let her play, which would have been a travesty. Uh, and the rules have been changed, by the way, every, uh, or since that time, or after that point in time. So she played six years of high school hockey, but at the same time, we couldn't make it public what her condition was because she would have been immediately banned from that and from softball and any other sports that she played, too. Uh, so then as she amazingly, uh, and we, this still baffles us how this occurred, uh, she was just an okay player, an ordinary player, and especially with the heavy-duty beta blockers, which take away a third of one's energy. Uh, but she loved to play, and that's what mattered to us. And somewhere in about ninth grade, she started getting really good and her ninth grade year with St. Paul United, she played great. And then that spring uh, she uh, went through all the trial camps and made the USA national camp for U15 players, one of only six defense from Minnesota to do so. And that, this just completely blew us away how she could possibly uh, have evolved as a hockey player with this, uh, the heavy duty, heavy duty beta blockers uh, that took away her, all of her energy, but she did. And she ultimately became, at uh, St. Paul United, a two-time All-State player, uh, the two-time captain, their Athena Award winner, the winner or recipient of the Spartan Cup presented by St. Paul Academy to the top female student-athlete. Uh, she, she became everything, even as her condition, her diagnosis was uh, completely unknown. And that makes, I think, her story all the more incredible that she could accomplish all this uh, while having to live with this secret and having to do so while taking the beta blockers. But before her senior year, we did talk to uh, the doctor at the mail, Dr. Ackerman, and said, you know, the problem with the beta blockers is it hits. she hits a wall with her endurance. 
And the Division One coaches are recruiting her a point in the South. They say she doesn't have enough energy. Uh, she seems to lose the ability to play after a period of time. And Dr. Ackerman at that point in time said, well, we have a new surgery, a new procedure, an ablation surgery that can uh, uh, eliminate the issue of her diagnosis, eliminate the need for uh, the beta blockers, eliminate any risk that this could cause uh, any any damage to her health and well-being. So she did have this surgery before uh, her hockey season, her senior year at St. Paul United, and it made a tremendous difference, so much so that then uh, she started being recruited by the Division One colleges, ended up going and playing at uh, Niagara. But even before then, Dr. Ackerman had told us, well, I don't know what the status is in terms of uh, with Division One schools and long QT syndrome. I'm not aware of any hockey players or athletes really that are competing at the D1 level with this diagnosis. Uh, and so we thought at that point in time, well, if we announce it now that she's not playing high school or even as part of the recruiting, they'll never ask her to play for them. So we didn't. And she played a year at Niagara, and unfortunately, Niagara then dropped their women's program, but she was fortunate enough to be able to go to another D1 program at RPI. But it's at RPI where they found out uh, about her diagnosis. And I say diagnosis, not her condition, because she'd never again had any episodes or symptoms. But when they found out, and it was at the beginning of her junior year, uh, they, the coach was extremely unhappy. Uh, uh, and and angry too, and I don't blame him for that. But he never allowed us to explain the whole what it all happened, and what he ended up doing is trying to get our daughter to quit hockey. And she, at that point in time, had been through an extraordinary amount in her life uh, in terms of overcoming obstacles and hurdles and challenges. And she, as she said, I'm not about to quit because he's trying to make me quit. She even likened herself to uh, Louis Zamperini and Unbroken in terms of the effort going into dehumanize her and make her not even a part of the team. But she never quit, and she ended up having a you know a solid senior year, uh, although again with a lot of adversity coming from uh, coming from within RPI. But that's that's the kind of how it went through high school and uh, and then college hockey. Well, then she goes on to play professionally in Sweden, and ultimately was in the inaugural uh, Hall of Fame class for Minneapolis hockey. So that's that was a, a career that was well spent. And it was one that, you know, it just showed it's how close that you know the, the other side could have been to just shut everything down and and you know deny her from experiencing everything that came with it. Well I think it's it's that's part of it. She did I had I had played in Sweden a sport called bandy back in the eighties. My son had played uh, bandy also in Sweden and in Russia, and Delaney uh, had been to Sweden a number of times for hockey and even went to a bandy camp there. And we had begun talking even just as she was starting college, hey, when you're done with your college career, maybe you can go play in the Swedish Elite League, which is a, a really organized high-level league with players from all over the world, including all over Europe. Uh, and so after her career was done at RPI, but before she graduated, she flew over to Sweden uh, skated a number of tryouts and signed with a team called HV71 uh, and played her first year with in the Swedish Elite with uh, HV71. Then she signed for the next year with a team out of Stockholm called Jurgården, and that team actually won the Swedish championship that year, she being, I think, the only fourth American ever to win a Swedish championship. And uh, so what playing in Sweden, she ultimately played there for four years. What it did was nothing could ever take or eliminate the incredibly bad experience and trauma she suffered at RPI. But what it did was allow her to finish her career on an extremely high note, an extremely positive note. 
and uh, and playing some really good hockey. And again, proving herself as a top level hockey player, which mattered to her very much at that point in time. Uh, but what I think the most important thing that impacted us on this is her doctor, Dr. Ackerman, again, the guy, world-renowned specialist in long QT syndrome and pediatric, pediatric heart conditions. He specifically said, and he said this to RPI too, when they were asking, well, tell us more about her condition and all that. He said, in essence, he described her, Delaney, as a trailblazer, as the hero. And because of her and the decisions we made, that this changed the international outlook on long QT syndrome and athletes as to whether they should be able to compete. And because of her uh, decisions and our decisions, the rules have been changed. And now there are many, many athletes competing that never would have been allowed to, but for the decisions we made and but for her living her life, which is, you know, which blew us away because we we're always impressed with what she had accomplished and, and blown away that she could accomplish so much given all the, the, the limitations of the beta blockers. Uh, but uh, this made it even better when we realized she had had an impact on the entire athletic world and people with this diagnosis. It all ends in a positive way, but I, I, I imagine it's not far from your mind that this could have gone very differently. And when you've seen it through and it, and it did end positively, is it more relief or how, how do you feel about and your wife, how do you feel about this whole process and and the other side? Uh, well, the, well, I mean, if one could look and say, well, you know, you could always ask the question, how good could she have been if she didn't have this limitations and the beta blockers? But then the other question is, what would have actually happened had she had an episode, had she died? Well, I mean, I, I can't even imagine how life could have gone on after that for us. But, you know, it, again, it wasn't something we were looking at and saying, Boy, we're rolling the dice uh, with her life, and oh, aren't we lucky that it you know it all turned out well? All of it was well thought out, and decisions were made. But even so, one never knows how things will play out. So it was a very stressful time uh, living through all of that and uh, having to you know keep it among ourselves basically. But that's where the the end result of it being you know her career ending on such a positive note and her having such an impact. On, on others and, and their ability to compete. I mean, that made it a extraordinary journey, an extraordinary journey and, you know, a, frankly, an extraordinary accomplishment. And we're proud uh, to be a part of it, have been a part of it. The book is called The Girl Who Played Hockey. Where is this able to be purchased for folks that are interested in this story and, and knowing a little bit more about it? If you go online, www dot girl who played hockey.com there you can see how to purchase it uh i i mean it just was recently published i haven't approached barnes the noble or other entities i'm currently working on that to see how i get it out there so that it's more accessible to the public uh and i'm confident that will occur but for now www.girlwhoplayedhockey.com and you'll be allowed to purchase it or able to purchase it there i i can tell you this too david yeah, uh, I've sold quite a few just even in the last week. And the re uh, response I'm getting from people who have read it is uh, basically an extraordinarily powerful story and uh, one that should be read. And, and you know, just a, the story of overcoming adversity and triumphing, triumphing over it. Yeah, I agree. It's a, it's a fast read. Your, your, your writing style is such that I reread it the other night and, you know, chapter one is, is uh, two and a half pages. And, and then you're, you know, so you start to read it and unconsciously you're going, 
well, I'm really flying through this. <laughs> and it, it keep, keeps you going because it's nice, short, digestible chapters. I that's I, I personally like that. Maybe some don't. Uh, but I think it, it makes for a really engaging book. And, and I uh, all the congratulations to you for, for your second book. I hope it does very well. Uh, I appreciate the time. Chris Middlebrook, the author of The Girl Who Played Hockey. Pick it up today. Thank you, David. Thank you very much.